Welcome to Lit, a podcast dedicated to life, liturgy, and the pursuit of holiness. I'm Bryn. And I'm Justin, and we're coming to you from beautiful Austin, Texas. Where each week we're talking about liturgy in everything from daily living to following Christ. Alrighty, today we're going to talk about, we're kind of moving. So the first episode, we just kind of entered into a conversation about um, liturgy and then in our most recent episode, we talked about prayer. Now we're going to, as we kind of move down this funnel uh, into more specific uh, talk about the prayer book, we are going to talk about the Book of Common Prayer by way of talking about common prayer and uh, its history and what is common prayer. And Bryn is a guru on common prayer. So we're going to let her lead off today in talking to us about common prayer and where it comes from. Yeah, so we mentioned this, I think, on the first episode, um, that that the Book of Common Prayer is common in a couple of different ways, that, um, that it's common in that it's something we share, it's communal, um, but then it's also common in the sense that it's everyday, that it's ordinary, that it's common to us. Um, or commonplace, or, you know, there's different ways that we, that we use it. And so, yeah, our, our book of common prayer, it is both of those things, then it's something that is part of our everyday life. But then it's also something that's part of how we gather together. And I think that's what we wanted to focus on. um, For at least part of this conversation today is, you know, what does this have to do with the gathering of people? And in particular, we've spent the last couple of um, times talking about prayer um, and our use of the prayer book in a kind of individual way. We talked about like, how does the, you know, how do I as a person use this, um, this book? Uh, And we've, you know, we'll continue to emphasize or, or, you know, discuss the ways that we use it as individuals. But I think today we also wanted to jump into how do we use this book as a community? What does it mean for this to be um, part of our common faith? So I think that's where common prayer for me, that's a good place. It's a good jumping off point to just try to understand common prayer in a broader sense. To me, common prayer is a group of people doing things very similarly. May not, maybe not saying the exact same words. For example, in the Anglican Communion, there are a number of different prayer books. The Episcopal Church Book of Common Prayer, the one that we're really focusing on in this series, in this, uh, in this study, if you will. The 1979 Book of Common Prayer is one of those. Then you have the Prayer Book of New Zealand, and you have the Church of England Prayer Book, and you can go on around the world in each little branch of the Anglican Communion. When we all gather, and we are, are in our groups, in our communities of faith, or in our ga- and are just our individuals, when they open those prayer books across those various contexts, we are engaging in common prayer because those prayers, albeit the words might be slightly different, are common in the scope of what they're moving us all to consider. The other good example, I think, that helps me understand common prayer is if you just look at Sunday morning worship in the Anglican tradition, it's common prayer across all these Anglican branches. We wear very, we all wear the same vestments. We wear the same robes. We, we do mm-hmm. things very similarly. Even if the words, again, are different, common prayer is not about saying the exact same words it's about the movement of the prayers themselves. It's the scope of the prayers. It's the, it's the uh, all-encompassing act of coming together to pray that makes it common. 
And you see this, this is not just unique to Anglican traditions, Roman Catholics. And then if we rewind and go again back to our pre-Christian roots, if you look at the priestly order and the Old Testament, uh, they acted on behalf of the people and it was common prayer, the rituals, the worship that they led, the bringing people together, the synagogue life when the, during the diaspora and the Babylonian exile, the rabbis in, this, in, that, in that synagogue life functioned like the priest of old before them when the temple still existed. Um, and they, that's common prayer coming together. Similar prayers was every synagogue in the diaspora uh, doing the same thing. No, but they were common and that they were united and moving forward in a tradition together. Uh, and the prayers themselves move them out. And to me, that's very important that we start to wrap our minds around when we say common prayer, because it can be a big word that we're not talking about. I, identical expressions in other words saying mm-hmm. the same things or doing the exact yeah. same things it's a collective movement of people around a general flow if you will if that makes sense you might could say that better than me Bryn but that's what it is for me yeah I think that is maybe even like a third kind of nuance of common um, you know it's not just shared it's not just in you know something in common in that sense, but it's also something that makes common, you know, that it like, um, it makes this thing communal for us that, that we're brought together by it. That's probably the most important expression is the communal aspect of the prayer life that is forged in the prayer book the coming together in that communal life, because we've talked about that in the previous two, and I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it because our prayer book, the 1979 book of common prayer does a good job. If you were to pray it and read it, even, even if you were somebody, I was thinking about this a minute ago, when you were talking, kind of setting us up, if you were somebody who was skeptical, maybe never, not even sure if you believe in Jesus or God, if you were to pick up the 1979 prayer book and just read it like a book, you would just start Mm -hmm. reading it it is going to move you outside of yourself. It's mm-hmm. going to move you outside and, and it's going to connect you to a larger sense of community with God and with somebody else. Even if you're still not sure about that whole God thing or Jesus thing, the prayer book itself is going to do that. The liturgy as it's presented in the prayer book, even if read as text will move you uh, as you hear those words. I'm kind of reminded in a way, and maybe this is jumping a little too far, but I'm going to say it anyways, because I'm thinking about it and I'm excited by it because we're close to Advent. Because <laughs> Advent means we have Christmas, but that Hi. third Sunday in Advent collect, it's one of my favorite collects of the year. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Amen. That's powerful. (laughs) Come among us. Don't come among me. Come among us. Yeah. The plural that's in in the liturgy is powerful. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, um, you know, maybe this is a bit of a controversial point, but religion for, for some folks has become really individualistic. And our prayer book urges us to go beyond that. It really, it pushes us to go beyond ourselves and to see that we are connected, uh, not just to God, but to each other, you know? So when I'm talking about the life of faith with people, I'm talking about all of this as being what unites us to God and one another, that all of our spiritual practices, 
um, the ways that we come together in prayer and in worship, all of that is about that reunification of ourselves with God and, and with each other. And so we really have to, we have to see ourselves as individuals connected to that, that greater um, body and, and to God, you know, because the life of faith has always been, and this is the record that we have historic record. um, It's always been about the community of faith and the individuals in the community and the community that supports the individual. So neither one in the life of faith can really be separated from each other, which is why, you know, which is why we believe that we have a church, um, you know, and that we aren't all just supposed to be making sort of little altars for ourselves in our own, you know, places isolated from everybody else, but that we're supposed to come together at a common table and that we unite with each other to God to bring our, the whole body of, of ourselves, not just our individual bodies, but our collective body um, to God. That's why I think when we talk about the body of Christ, which of course is the image that Paul gives us, that when we gather around that table in our churches, or we gather in a community, but particularly around the table and during the Eucharist, for a moment, that veil, that thin place between that the tabernacle on earth and the tabernacle in heaven is connected. And the body of Christ, you realize, is not just the people gathered or walking this earth, but it's the heavenly hosts. It's those who have gone before us that are feasting around the tabernacle in heaven. And in that moment, if only in that moment, we see those loved ones and we realize we're part of this much larger body of Christ. And that is what common prayer is all about. How are we a part of the body? Which begs the question, you know, who uses the prayer book? Who gets to use the prayer book? Yeah. You can talk about this lofty stuff. It makes it sound like only clergy get to use the prayer book. Yeah, but really that's, I mean, that's probably the best sense of the word common here is that everybody gets to use the prayer book. It is so common that everybody gets to use it. Um, and that was a, that was actually you know, an intentional shift on the part of the Church of England when, you know, at the time that it separated from the Roman Catholic Church. Um, You know, before that, who had prayer books, who, you know, who used those? There were little devotional prayer books, but the Missal was used by priests, um, by bishops, of course. Um, So clergy had it. Uh, And then, um, in monastic communities, they had devotional prayers that that were written and recorded in a book and that they all prayed together. But the Book of Common Prayer that we now are familiar with that is common to us wasn't common to anybody. Um, so one of the things that that happened, um, you know, in at that time was a, a writing, an assembly of these prayers that that derive from the monastic tradition, um, that then you know go back to the Jewish tradition before that became something that everybody had, that everybody could have access to. Now, of course, having a printing press at this time really helped <laughs> with that process as well. Um, so one might argue that one of the reasons that people didn't have those things beforehand was. There was uh, it, that we didn't have the means to put it in the hands of everybody, but what an excuse! <laughs> that little printing press, 
And I think you just introduced us to our first double entendre. Isn't that what that is when you said it's common? Yep. Did I use that correctly? I think that one of your favorite things, double yep. entendres. That is. I do love a good double entendre. Well, you're right. So, I mean, so it's it's accessible. So the, the simple answer is when we the prayer book are these compilation of prayers put together in this historical, as we said in the very first episode, I think you said it the best. I'm going to try to repeat that. Uh, jumping in that stream of tradition, mm-hmm. carrying it forward. This mm-hmm. 1979 prayer book is part of a long prayer book lineage that goes all the way back to 1549 in the Church of England. But really before that, I mean, goes back to the prayers of old. We continue moving forward in that tradition together and everybody has access to the prayer book. There's this prayer book is not just for the clergy. It's not mm-hmm. just for those who went to some kind of education. Anybody can pick up a, an Episcopal prayer book, a 1970, any of our prayer books, but our 1979 our current prayer book and, and use it and pray it and work with it, wrestle with it. Yeah. Like anybody has access to our prayer books. And I think that's really, really important because all too often, I think people forget that the prayer book, A, is not just something that has to live at the church on, just so you can have it on Sundays or when you show up for any kind of worship event. You can have one in your home. You can open it. There are prayers in there for every day of your life. Yeah. And I mean, some of the ways I think people that everybody can use um, the prayer book is you, you can just browse the book. You can browse mm-hmm. it. You can look at it. I think you can. You could go and just pray the colics for each week. Like I read the third Sunday in Advent. So the colic for the week is always the colic for Sunday. And that colic stands for the entire week until the next Sunday. Yep. And you could pray special prayers. There's prayers in the back of the prayer book. You could write down your favorite prayers and you could have those on note cards at different, you know, maybe you pull one out. So you don't, if you don't have your prayer book on your nightstand, you have some prayers you wrote down on your nightstand. I think you can you can use it to follow the lectionary, which is a whole other thing we're going to talk about later in this podcast. But there's scripture readings presented in the prayer book, so you can have prayers along with scripture. You can do that, um, and of course, there's devotions, and, and I can go on and on. But there's so many different ways you can use the prayer book that an average, normal, non-clergy, non-ordained, non-master's degree, bachelor's degree, four-year-old could use the prayer book. You know, maybe with some help from mom and dad, but you can use the prayer book. <laughs> Anybody can use the prayer book. Yeah. And there's just one prayer book for us too. You know, like they didn't give, uh, they didn't give us a special, you know, clergy copy of it when we were ordained. We use the same prayer book too. So, you know, clergy, priests, deacons, bishops, we all pray these same prayers too. Yeah. All they did for us is they realized how confused we already are. But they gave us our altar book, which is just the prayer book, but put into a nice, simple form so we don't mess up because clearly we're capable of messing up. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Thank God for the altar book. So, I mean, I I think so. I mean, I think that's a really important question that we wanted to cover here is who gets to use a prayer book. Everybody gets to use the prayer book. I think that I really just want to make sure people know that, that don't be intimidated by this prayer book. Open it up. Read some prayers, ask questions. Now, I will say clergy are there, are around, and we love getting questions about prayers in the prayer book. We are there to assist. That's one of the things I think we're called to when we're called into community is Bryn has her church, I have my churches. We're called to shepherd people and their spirituality. And if you're wrestling with the prayer book and you're praying those prayers and you have questions, 
we want to know. We want to walk with you on that journey. Not because mm-hmm. we might have the magic answer, but again, we're in that common prayer. We're in it together. We're going to learn a lot about God through your questions, um, and we're going to deepen our own faith while you hopefully we help you deepen yours. Yeah, I want to I want to emphasize that point too because in you know maybe this is true with teaching any kind of material is that you know the teacher doesn't just sort of impart material that they already know, they get to learn something new alongside everybody that they are, you know, helping to use it. So one of the most, you know, powerful experiences that I have is praying with people because I learn something about God through them. I learn something about God through my witness of their experience of God. And that will always make my faith stronger. And I think that's one of the really, you know, to connect that back to the prayer book, that's one of the really beautiful and mysterious experiences of, of our common prayer is that we, when we use it together, it's, you know, it it truly is greater than the sum of the parts you know, very much so, very much so. Uh, and, and that's what I think always makes it special for me. Um, always, every time I encounter a liturgy or re or in the prayer book or praying, you know, with my two and a half year old, we, we read Compline, not every night. He's just now getting interested in it, but a few times a week mm-hmm. we'll read Compline together. He's two and a half years old. And he has a couple words and phrases in the prayer book that have resonated with him. And I'll hear him repeating them during the day. Like, yeah. keep watch, dear Lord. Keep watch. Keep watch, mm-hmm. Daddy. Keep watch. Mm-hmm. You know, we, and I think there's, there's beauty in that because here he is joining that great flow of all of us coming together and engaging in this prayer. And that's what the prayer book does for us is it puts my two-and-a-half-year-old and me at 35 in the same boat. Mm-hmm. The same boat together. We're doing the same thing and it's powerful and we're learning from each other. Well, I think that's a, a good segue into talking about discipleship because one of the questions that we have, uh, that we've raised and that we've you know started to touch on is what does this book have to do with our own discipleship as individuals and as a, a collection of disciples um, of people in faith um, you know what do, what do you what do you think about that so I think we touched on some of this last time and I think I want to draw some I want to bring some of that forward to this conversation because I think it's important I believe uh, you had quoted maybe it was uh, Schleimann well it's really he didn't coin this but Lex Arande Lex Credende yeah mm-hmm. essentially we pray what we believe and I think when we enter into the book, what the Book of Common Prayer does, if we enter into the disciplines it sets before us or the opportunities it has for us to deepen our prayer discipline, and we talked about that last time, kind of like when you go to the gym and you work out, you go and you do certain exercises to, to either strengthen your cardiovascular ability or to actually get stronger, to make your muscles bigger, engaging in your spiritual disciplines and deepening your spirituality is the same way. And the prayer book is a tool by which we do that. So if you were to take all the avenues like the daily office, if you were to pray the daily office every day and read the daily office lectionary along with that, 
and you were to come and participate in the Holy Eucharist as much as it's available. Obviously, in our current time and place, <laughs> it's a little bit different with our current yeah. pandemic. But let's just say you were to come and do that. Then I think you what you will discover is by living into those prayers and doing that, that creating that ritual, that pattern, that discipline, then your discipleship develops because those prayers in themselves, if you start really embodying what you're praying or believing, if you believe what you're praying and then embody it, the prayers themselves become the, the way by which you deepen your discipleship because it's going to call you outside of yourself. Really, discipleship, if you think about, just pause for a moment, think about the disciples. Jesus was walking along. They were minding their own business, mostly fishing. Could have just stayed doing that. Could have made nice money. Well, decent. Well, they wouldn't have been. They weren't going to be the wealthy ones of the day, but they could have kept their livelihoods, mm-hmm. kept in their own little space. And Jesus calls them outside of themselves, and they respond. And then you watch them develop as they journey with Jesus. Discipleship is that way. As the disciples and the original twelve were enmeshed with Jesus, and they moved outside of themselves. Living into this Book of Common Prayer, if you were to, to live into the 1979 Book of Common Prayer, it's going to pull you outside of yourself, and you're going to start to see what I like to call the mission field, and that's the world around you. All the opportunities to help join God, as in Luke, God reminds us that the harvester is out harvesting, and we just need some more laborers. Mm-hmm. But the harvest is still going to happen whether the laborers come or not. But the joy of discipleship is going out and laboring and, and, and bringing the kingdom of God to bear on people's lives in a very real way. Um, I think Rowan Williams captures this well, former Archbishop of Canterbury. He, uh, he pulls this from the desert tradition, but you become a place where God happens. If we're enmeshed in our prayer life, it's forged by the Book of Common Prayer, we become a place where God can happen for somebody else. And that in itself is discipleship. And that's how we forge discipleship. Man, I haven't heard that quote before, but I love that. And of course, I love, you know, everything that comes from Rowan Williams, who is just a wonderful Anglican theologian um, and contemporary theologian since he's still alive. Um, I think that's really beautiful to think about becoming the place where God happens, because, again, you know, our life of faith isn't something that happens in isolation. It's, you know, we, we are all connected to community in some way or another. Um, and, uh, I think discipleship is, you know, really depends on that. I think disciples need the church and the church needs disciples. Um, you know, it goes both ways. Uh, even just to think about the practical benefit of common prayer uh, as the the prayers of the church, um, you know, after after my second son was born, I I joined with my parents. Um, we all joined Weight Watchers together, and you know, it's it's hard enough to to lose weight on your own. Um, but it's so much easier when you have other people who like share your goals and can, you know, share what they've learned that's helped them with you along the way. And that was kind of like what these Weight Watchers meetings were like, you know, you'd sit in this room, you'd maybe learn about something um, that would help you with your eating, but the most, 
you know, the most formative part of it was just listening to other people's experiences, you know, like they went to a, a picnic and they <laughs> figured out how to navigate the buffet line and um, they have some wisdom that can help you. Uh, I think the church is that way. It's easier to be focused on, uh, on your, your spiritual life, on the, the goals of your spiritual living when you are around other people who share those goals with you, you know, it's like, you know, it's like you were talking about going to the gym. Well, it's really easier to stay focused on living a healthy lifestyle and, you know, being fit and stuff when you're around other people who also care about their, their eating and their health and their fitness and stuff like that. But, you know, if you're like trying to lose weight, and uh, get fit, but you spend all of your time hanging out at the bar and smoking and, uh, you know, eating pizza. I'm not saying that there isn't a place for that from time to time, but if you spend all of your time there, you're probably not going to get where you want to go. And I think, you know, church is, there's a kind of practical dimension to the church too, where it actually helps us live a life of faith. Um, albeit imperfectly, but better than we do on our own. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine you sitting at the bar with the pizza and the cigarettes, Uh, (laughs) but no. So what I think you're describing, you know, so the monastic movement tells and reminds us of that. So monasticism reminds us of that. What we're really skirting around and what the prayer book helps us do and why we have a prayer book, I, I think is what we're, what we're skirting around is this idea of asceticism, intentional formation. Mm hmm. And asceticism has always been based on the fact that you, you, you do it in community, whether it be one other person or 2,000 other people, you do it in community. And it's in community that you really can deepen and grow, uh, grow together because it is easier to do. And I think Jesus knew that from the get-go. He didn't call one. He called and he sent them out two by two at least, if mm-hmm. not more than two. I mean, mm-hmm. he, God knows that we're better together than we are as individuals. Yeah. And, um, and I think I talked about this last episode. I was talking about the retreating into the desert in the early church. They would go off and that was a form of asceticism. They go off to work on something, but not to stay in isolation forever. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are hermits in the Christian tradition who really did want to stay isolated forever. But for the most part in the desert tradition, the ascetical formation that happened that was ga- that was garnered and deepened in common prayer. So they were, it may have been in the desert by themselves for a moment of their lives, but in common prayer with their brothers and sisters doing something very similar, that's where they worked on their spirituality and then immediately got back into community and, and took off and grew even more uh, deeply. Uh, and I think there's, that's really what it's about is we, we come together so that we can grow together and the prayer book binds us together in that work. It's the glue that, that keeps us moving in that direction. Yeah. And it doesn't just bind us together. It it moves us in the same direction with each other. You exactly. know, so it's not just that like we come together and we, you know, have to, you know, have a convention about what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? The prayer book gives us that place. It points us toward the kingdom of God and it puts us all on, you know, on that same path. So we might feel like we're in different places on it, but we all help each other to be oriented toward God in the same, 
in the same journey. Um, and I think, you know, there's something really important to be said about caring for other people on that journey, that this, that our communal prayer, our common prayer means that if we care about our own life with God, we have to also care about other people's lives with God. We have to care about what, what their relationship is to not in the way that like we need to, you know, control it or tell people it has to be a certain way, but we, we have to honor and acknowledge that, that God is trying to be in relationship with every single one of us. Exactly. And I think that right there is a good spot for us to pause because I think we're going to go a little bit deeper as we move through this. I think that's a great place for us to end. And I think next time we're, as we started this kind of first three episodes, hopefully if you're tuned in here, hopefully you can rewind and listen to the first two. These first three are really just trying to set the stage around prayer, liturgy, and now just kind of introducing the broad sweeping notions of the Book of Common Prayer and particularly for our focus, and as we're going to now move in, transition into a more deeper look at the 1979 prayer book and start walking through that over the next, uh, over the rest of this series. So hopefully you have a chance to look at the first three episodes. And then as you join us next time, we're going to be lick, picking up the liturgical circle of life or to steal from the Lion King, a Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful right. phrase. <laughs> what a wonderful phrase. So we're going to dive into now the movements of our of our holy days and our and our life together that the prayer book lays out. So we're going to now dive specifically into the 1979 prayer book and begin our journey through it. Uh, so I hope you'll join us next time. But thank you, Bren. This was great. Mm-hmm.